0: Hey everyone, like 15 minutes into this episode and like an hour 21 into this episode, there's some audio hiccups. Uh, Just be aware of that. everyone, and welcome back to Real Perspective, the podcast based on a YouTube channel based on a podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, MJ Smith. I'm Missy Lonsinger. And we are the only two co-hosts on this episode, um, but we are joined by a guest. uh, Jordan Fulmer is here. Jordan, welcome to the show.
1: Hello. Glad to be back.
0: Friend of the show. Friend of the show. Friend of the show, Jordan Fulmer. Um, Yeah, you guys are here to talk about Tick Tick Boom, the uh, newest Netflix musical movie starring Andrew Garfield and directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda, which is based off of a, uh, show, a stage show from Jonathan Larson and is autobiographical. Um, Jonathan Larson wrote rent. It's probably his, what most people okay. know about him.
2: What's that? Yeah. Oh, I was just saying most famous.
1: The, the magnet opus. Yeah.
0: yeah for yes. Sure. Yeah. Quite literally. Um, and, uh, the, the the sort of tragedy of Jonathan Larson is that he passed away the night before rent had its first public performance or the morning of or whatever um, mm. so he never got to see it fully realized on stage and then see it become the uh, Broadway hit that it became but this is an earlier show of his that's sort of uh, kind of similar in <clears throat> theme not to rent necessarily but to uh, the idea of running out of time and, mm-hmm. you know, having to get things done because you, life is short and you don't know when it will be taken from you. Um, there is a little bit of it that spills out over, um, at least in the film. Um, I'm not overly familiar with the show, so you guys can, uh, point out the differences to me. <laughs> um, hmm. but some of it was inspired by the loss of a lot of his friends at a young age to AIDS, um... And uh, in particular, a man named Michael, who uh, is like his best friend, he plays factors heavily into it. But it's just kind of about the struggle and futility and joy and heartbreak and melancholy of making art, Mm -hmm. particularly professionally. That's kind of it. The way it's structured is that uh, at least the way the film is structured um, is that Jonathan Larson, as portrayed by Andrew Garfield, is on stage with a band telling stories about his life and then singing songs thematically related to the story he's previous he's used to lead into this.
1: Yeah. It's sort of the, the frame narrative.
0: Right. 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 And then as we do that, it's edited in a way where we see dramatizations of those events playing out between Mm -hmm. Andrew Garfield and another cast. Yeah. um, Of characters. And it's sort of centered around him writing this, this musical called, uh, Oh gosh, it's right here. What's it called? Superbia. Superbia. It's like a dystopian futuristic thing. It's, he's been working on it for a long time and he's starting to get frustrated with it. It's kind of adaptation for theater nerds, um, a little bit. Uh, and it's essentially about how that didn't work out and that led to tick, tick, boom. And then that led to, to rent and, um, that sort of domino effect. And then obviously the film is being, um, made after he's dead. So they, they're able to tack on that sort of epilogue a little bit that he mm-hmm. passed before range open and things like that. So that's basically what, what what Tick, Tick, Boom is about. It's a little esoteric as far as a premise goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's the overall structure and story of the film. So what did you guys think about Tick, Tick, Boom?
1: Well, I, I came in unprepared. I thought we were talking about the 1969 musical Paint Your Wagon with Clint Eastwood.
0: Yeah, we're going to follow it. Well, it's a double feature episode. We're doing Paint Your Wagon, and then we're doing Rhinestone with Sylvester Stallone and Dolly Parton.
2: (laughs) There we
1: go. Um, No, Missy, why don't you you go ahead?
0: Um,
2: So I became aware of this musical when I was in high school because I remember somebody in my drama class was doing the song Therapy, um, which is the one that he does with Vanessa Hudgens, which is, um, Mm -hmm. you know, very tongue-in-cheek very fun <laughs> look like a relationship
0: in a marriage my favorite part of the movie yeah, or, or i'll get that out there right now that was my favorite scene oh it's
2: it's it's a it's a very very fun song it's one of my favorite songs in the whole show um yeah so i've like i've been aware of it for a while and then so when i first heard that i started listening to the soundtrack and i i love Ralph barza who was the original guy who played jonathan larson's role um he mm-hmm. ended up going on to play bobby and company when they did a revival of it and he was also if you guys watched Uh, The Hannibal show. He was uh, Dr. Chilton and he was incredible. I just I adore him. He's he's an incredible Broadway actor. Um, But anyway, so I've I've been aware of the show for a while. Um, And yeah, from what I understand, the way that it was presented is that the three of them on stage with the band is similar to how the show itself is presented because there are typically mm-hmm. only three actors done the whole time.
1: Yeah, uh, a lot of them double. So I, I have it up right now. Like I, I I kind of watched some videos as well. Like Michael, the actor who plays Michael also plays John's dad. And like the market research guy, and then the person who plays Susan also plays Caressa and like John's mom. So like it's three actors, and then the two side actors who are not Jonathan are doubling as like other people in his life.
2: Right, which is which Got is it. pretty typical of a lot of like modern um, kind of absurdist shows like that, um, which I I really really enjoy. And so I've always liked the music for it, um, especially you know the the last song, the "Actions Speak Louder Than Words" song, and, and Therapy's great and Thirty Ninety. Um, so I don't know. I, I've always liked the music for it. I was, I was not sad that they made Green Green Dress into a background song. Like I really liked the way that Lin-Manuel Miranda chose to subdue some of the songs and make them background rather than making them showcase numbers um, and how he wanted to showcase some of the other numbers. So I actually really enjoyed it. Um, I'm not always a huge fan of, uh, film adaptations of Broadway musicals, but, no, I'm, I that later. <laughs> but I did, I did really like this a lot. Um, I thought Andrew Garfield did a really nice job. I'm not a huge fan of Vanessa Hudgens, but I think, uh, and I think Jordan and I, at one point as we were watching it, we're like, this is the perfect amount of her, like give her a little bit of acting, a little bit of singing and don't give her too much. Maybe she got a little too, too much at the end, but, um, uh, yeah, that was that was my favorite for her is just like give her just a little bit, but I don't know. I, I overall I really liked it. I found it really enjoyable. I actually like Rent as opposed to the person that I'm sitting here recording this with. Um, so I I'm not not a fan of of Jonathan Larson, um, but yeah, it, I I liked it. I thought it was good.
1: No, I, I actually like Larson just fine. That's a misrepresentation. I, I just don't like Rent. Um, it's oh, I got it. Rent.
0: Ran a mediocre show with decent songs that got turned into a bad movie with bad renditions of the decent songs.
2: Okay, uh,
1: the movie's I, 100%, terrible, but the
2: show itself. I actually
1: 100% agree, MJ. Oh, well. It's it's definitely uh, a time capsule musical, and that's the most common criticism directed at it. Of like, it was great for a period of time, and you know, it's funny. I talked to a lot of people during that time who were queer in the 90s when the AIDS scare was relevant, and obviously the show holds a pla- like a special place for them. Like our friend mm-hmm. Alex, for instance. Um, and I can appreciate that resonance, but, you know, I feel like there are things just in life that age very poorly, like, you know, just off the top of my head, a movie that's aged poorly is probably Revenge of the Nerds because it's creepy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Rent, I think, has aged poorly because there's an element of of privilege, of outdated characters and stories, and it just feels very ham-fisted and, and just not relevant uh, anymore. Um, right but, but I do appreciate what it meant to people and, and that people who love it like I can't really argue with that like you love what you love. I like I mean I love a lot of bad things so that's okay. Right. Um, but as far as tick tick boom is concerned, um, I, I did really enjoy it. Um, <clears throat> I, I rarely like movie musical adaptations that were made in the recently like in the last 20 years I think most of them have been mm. pretty poor. Um, I thought this one did a lot of things really well. I, I thought it was a creative. Uh, the way they incorporated songs together and then the, the cinematography and the way it was just put together, I thought visually was stimulating and stunning and well done where a lot of music movie musicals tend to look very flat to me and, and mm-hmm. very, very poorly filmed. Um, mm-hmm. I thought this one looked pretty good and was fairly dynamic um, I, I like again, what Missy was saying, like they probably alighted some songs that didn't need to be in it. And they chose very carefully what to include from the musical, um, which Missy knows more about than I do. Granted, I've just listened to it. I haven't watched it. Um, but overall I thought it was, it was really, really good. I, I, I didn't expect to enjoy it as much mm-hmm. as I did.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was, I mean, I didn't really know, obviously I didn't know the structure of it, Mm -hmm. um so a lot of this was a big surprise like i know who jonathan larson is because i know what rent is right and i'd heard of tick tick boom but like i couldn't have told i'd heard the name like you know whenever his name gets brought up he he only did two shows right like um and so i didn't super know obviously i knew lynn was directing it um and that was the thing that got me interested uh Andrew Garfield, he can be great. He can be not great. Um, So I didn't know really what to expect with that, especially since he's sort of taken up the, uh, now that Leo's gotten his Oscar, he's sort of taken up that mantle of um, affable white guy who's pretty good at acting, but doesn't quite disappear enough into his roles to really deserve an Oscar. Um,
1: Ooh, hot take. I disagree with that.
0: (laughs) And uh, he's really good in this. Uh, yeah he's he, he's really uh, good in this and he looks a lot like jonathan larson so that goes a long way um to that but like he's great in silence i love him in that movie he also just kind of looks like andrew garfield in that movie to me <laughs> it's fine uh, um, did you
1: uh did you was this your favorite andrew garfield
0: performance mm, that's a good question it's this or silence probably he's really good in silence which I have not seen yet.
1: Yeah, he he is good in silence. Although I think I, I think the original casting had like Benicio del Toro and Gael Garcia Bernal and like
0: oh that he, would have been way better.
1: <laughs> yeah, the problem with Andrew is he's just a bit young, um for that part, yeah. I think, and he's just yeah. a little bit boyish. And the only problem I have with Andrew Garfield as an actor, who I actually do think is generally a terrific actor, is that he try it, a lot of his performances almost try to cater for likability. Um, mm-hmm. I even thought in the social network which you know I do love and Missy loves as well yes. that there are a couple times where his character of Eduardo was like doing those puppy dog eyes and I'm like you know yeah. how is the audience supposed to want to kick this kitten that is Andrew Garfield's performance yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: oh by the way uh, Under Under the Silver Lake is my favorite Andrew Garfield performance He's oh, also nice.
1: yeah he's great in that um, but MJ I would say that I, I think he is a terrific actor I think that some of his projects are not the best but I think he's one of the more right. strange and daring uh, white guy actors that we have currently. Like sure. I, I would say he's maybe just below the league that is set by like Adam driver and that sort of ilk. Mm-hmm. Um But I think he's really good. Yeah. And, I, and I think this, was no, good. I
0: would, that wasn't a comment on the quality of performance that they give. I love the majority of Leonardo DiCaprio's roles, but that may, sure. I mean, the man does not disappear. Like he's, oh, he's no, just not a chameleon whatsoever.
2: And everything. Yeah. Um,
0: so, and that's how I feel about Andrew Garfield. Like the majority of the stuff, especially post Spider-Man, like I've really liked him in, but like, yeah, he just yeah. doesn't, as I still see Andrew Garfield when I'm looking at him.
2: When I, that was something that Jordan had pointed out when we were watching it, where he had read some reviews where it's like, he's i mean, kind of like what you're saying, like the affability. It's just like, He's still such a like, oh man, oh gosh, shucks, happy-go-lucky guy. It's like, how can you, even when we're supposed to not like Jonathan Larson when he's being a freaking dick to his friends, it's like, it's mm-hmm. like oh, but Andrew Garfield, it we can't help but love you. Yes, i that so I didn't absolutely. get that.
0: Yeah. And I that, didn't and get that is, from, from this performance.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I think that's, that's kind of like what you guys are saying. And it's like, it's hard for him to disappear because he is such an affable little, you know, neighbor next door boy where it's like, oh man, Andrew, we can't help but love you.
1: Yeah, like Hacksaw Ridge was like the epitome of characters he plays.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's so bad in that movie. I really don't like Whoa. him in that movie. Okay.
1: I, I didn't think he was bad, but I also did not think the movie was great. So I, I, I'm not yeah. inclined to argue for him.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's not a great movie, but he's I think he's particularly bad at that. And I was furious when that got nominated over his performance in silence that year at the Oscars. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Wait, so but, mad. What,
2: but what were your thoughts, MJ, on Tic Tic Boom? Have we gotten to that?
0: Uh I liked it. It's a little too long. Okay, um, that's fair. It's just like I felt like that I hit a certain point and I was like, there's 40 minutes of movie left. Yeah. It's, it's two um, hours, I believe, exactly. We, we had right? to take a nap. Afterwards. It's no, it's it's uh I can tell you Oh, it is! It's two hours. Yeah. It's It's 121 minutes? Goodness.
1: Yeah, that's what I...
0: There's no um, way. That movie felt like it was two and a half hours long to me.
1: Well, that brings us to, I think, a really good question for you, MJ, is it felt that long for you. And I wonder this for a lot of people coming in who are non-musical theater people, um, because I was doing some... like Because I I always like to read spoiler-free reviews and just get a kind of sense of what people are kind of talking about, um, even though I make up my own opinion. Um, And uh, a lot of people were saying that this movie is not the most accessible for non theater people and that yeah. it wouldn't uh, translate as well. Um, but you liked it. So like a- as a non theater person, did that affect like how long the movie felt for you? Were you annoyed at the, the 50th song that was coming on or, or mm-hmm.
2: the entire song that was just a cameo of Broadway performers?
1: Yeah. Like what, what was your thought? I fucking
0: hated that. I really didn't like that part. Um, I, it's one, uh, We'll talk about we'll talk about Sunday in a second. The only part that I felt was over long. And this is going to sound mean is when he sings the song real life in the park at the piano, the song that's the entire history he has between him and Michael. He's great in that scene. I understand it. That song is so long.
2: Yeah, that's fair. I don't I don't disagree with that. I liked it, but I don't disagree that it was very long.
0: It's so like, I was like, I can't believe this scene is still happening. Like it's, it's such a long song to put in the middle of a movie like that. Like, and that's already like approaching the end. So it's like, it it feels kind of like. Everything yet the entire history of Jonathan and Michael. Oh man, we could have figured out a way to like dot this through, you know, and on his life that he, uh, his life with his friend that is now definitely going going to come to a sooner rather than later that's That's the only time where i felt like truly alienated by the movie where i was like or even like alienated by the the medium where i was like oh this works on a stage but not in a two-hour movie like i you i don't know i feel like a musical number doesn't get especially a solo musical number like that
2: right
0: really you really gotta make some choices to make that work, and I don't think he did. That said, I do think Lynn did a pretty good job directing. Um, sure. The surprisingly film- Surprisingly
1: good for like uh, someone who's a rather uh, much a novice in the medium, right?
0: Yeah, 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 and like I, I liked that it didn't feel stagey, and I'm sure we'll talk about right. that in a second, even though the conceit is that he's on stage talking. But like, it's kind of right. baked into the premise, which is cool, but it never feels like they're playing to a stage. It feels like they're playing a musical for the medium. And right. I think that under, that shows to me that Lin understands, because he's obviously his main world is theater, right? But right. he understands just the medium or the, the genre of the musical, no matter the medium. Mm-hmm. And I think that helps, especially because the parts from the stage that he took that I thought were really great, is in a lot of the blocking, is really, really good the entire right. movie. And sure. I feel like because he comes from the stage, he thought about the blocking a lot more than a lot of directors would today.
2: And 100%. So, so yeah.
0: I think he took the best parts of like what he knows and loves from the movie musicals he knows and loves to adapt this stage, this play into a musical film, and then took the parts he knows about the stage that do work for film and used that in this medium. And so it was really yeah. like, I was really, really, really surprised. Uh, and I guess I mean, that sounds bad because I've, I'm a fan of this stuff <laughs> he's no, done, no like almost all of it. But, you know, when you hear Lin-Manuel Miranda's directing a movie, there's a lot of you that goes, oh, he he got that. That's a clout only gig. And he's right, not going to sure. do good at it. Yeah. Um. So there is that. My other complaint is it's a good movie. It's well directed. It reeks of... You want an Oscar, Andrew Garfield? Well, have I got news for you? Mm-hmm. I want an Oscar, <laughs> Andrew Garfield. Let us help each other get Oscars. Sure.
1: You thought it was Oscar baby?
0: A little bit. Um, it's not it's not pandery. The way, like it's not it's not like um, what's that Andrew Garfield movie where he's paralyzed? Breathe yeah like that's awesome well, any, any
1: any autobiography like uh, death to all biopics may they all rot in hell in my opinion sure you know
0: <laughs> it's a biopic right
1: yeah i know that's why <laughs> like, <laughs> this one for me is a big deal because i don't like all, he, else, he he I, all I hate most biopics but this one also is all based off of a one-man show and it's it's right. a very unique way of presenting someone's life a three-man show well no no that's not true it actually started off as a one-man show i did some research into this it started off in uh, 1990 as a like one-man rock monologue
0: yeah that's how Um, it was originally built was a rock monologue that's in the movie i learned that from the movie
1: (laughs) yeah that's in the movie as well and then we even see some footage from it uh, Mm -hmm, at the end at, at the end um but yeah yeah but it was good. It, you know, it, the thing that I don't like, cause what, you know, I didn't feel the Oscar of it. I, I felt if anything, the film suffered from being almost too personal to Lin-Manuel Miranda. Cause this is a person that was like a mentor to him, a figure he looked up to someone he knew, uh, and someone that in the musical theater world holds a very, very high resonance for a lot of people. Right. Mm-hmm. So if anything, the whole mood movie footage, the, the fake video footage that we see as a <laughs> yeah. choice of him and Michael, um, the, the the I saw him cry at the premiere. Like the film itself, to me, doesn't feel straining for Oscar glory as much as I wanted to create this artifact for my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that has some pitfalls too. Like the scene in which we had all those cameos, and because I, you know, I'm sure he's like, let's all celebrate him. I mean, it's a lovely sentiment, but on it on the film, like looking at it, it's like um, it's like a Starfucker thing, you know. It's just like, ooh, yeah. look how many look at look look at this person Ooh, look that's andre De Shields. like that's um uh, what's her name bb newworth and like there's all these different people yeah. and you're just like wow this is this is amazing if you're a theater person but if you're someone who's trying to get lost in the world of the film it, it feels very like hackneyed so if anything yeah. i think the film it doesn't feel it feels genuine uh which to me is the opposite of oscar Beatty. but the problem with that genuine nature of it is it, it can be a bit maudlin and too close to Manuel.
0: I can say, so what I'll, I'll I'll say is that I think it feels that way to me because of knowing the meta of Lynn's been trying to EGOT forever. Like it's the last award he needs. He's like, that's why he's been on the Disney train. Um, that's why I feel like he's been doing the majority of his work in film. Um, so I think like knowing that, or at least that's the vibe I get from him. I don't know the man. We don't talk. I was going to say that sound,
1: that does sound like conjecture because the man it already has is. a Pulitzer.
0: Yes, yeah, but it's the last it's the last award he needs for the egot, and it feels like he's trying real hard for it. Um, and Andrew Garfield, like I said, I feel like he's been angling for an Oscar for a while too. So it, there's nothing in the film that feels like Oscar baity to me. Um, I mean, besides the one the. The real life scene um but it also feels baked into the movie like it, it all feels organic it doesn't feel pandering whatsoever uh but it just like i don't know i get a sense that both of them really want oscars and so i don't know maybe it's just me being overly cautious and i don't think there's anything with necessarily wanting an oscar in like but I also don't think that should be the goal of making your piece either. And I don't think it necessarily is, but it's also not, not that it feels like, I don't know. Like,
2: no, I know what you mean. It's like, it's, it's not quite as blatant as like freaking like Jennifer Hudson and cats where she's like, yeah. please give me another one. So she's I can be, like, yeah. So I can be like <laughs> Anna Hathaway and, uh, fucking Les Mes. yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it's like not quite that blatant, but I, I, Get what you mean and it's like i mean i'm sure it's not not in the mind of these actors when they take roles like these um but yeah it doesn't feel gross Right, but I'm also appreciative that it wasn't quite as blatant as it seemed. Like, I mean, because even at Hathaway doing Les Miz, it was like, okay, we oh, get yeah. it, you want an Oscar. There's, like, just this close-up on you fucking snotting and crying this whole time and same with Jennifer Hudson and all this. Yeah. yeah. So, it's like, I don't know. It's like, it's not not there, but it's also not quite as blatant to the point that I'm annoyed by it when I'm watching it because I was yeah. able to just enjoy it without thinking, like,
1: ugh, gross. So, I don't know. Yeah, it did. Yeah. that's why it also didn't feel like Oscar glory to me because it seemed also kind of like a relatively frivolous movie like it didn't seem like something that was reaching for any grand importance or mm. epic tragedy. Like even though Johnson Larson, what happened to him is a tragedy. The film right. doesn't make it feel like this epic sweeping grand thing. And I think that definitely would have gotten those Oscar Beatty things from me. Cause I, I feel like I do have a detection for those things because yeah. I also dislike them greatly MJ. So I'm with you at least on that.
0: Um, I think, uh, what, uh is, Lemon is Lin-Manuel Miranda. Okay because it does he have a disease we don't know about because like his two most high profile shit is basically about the same thing (laughs) um
2: yeah let me ask my my girl or my girlfriend my sister's boyfriend uh who is friends with him on a first name basis i was like you call him when did i tell you that no for the podcast yeah my, my little sister's boyfriend is a uh, actor but he was a background actor in In the Heights and so he's he's on a first name basis with Lin-Manuel Miranda and I'm like do you call him Lin-Manuel Miranda and he's like no I call him Lin. And I was like how dare you
0: yeah.
1: put some respect on his name. But he's given him some like acting
0: advice <laughs> yeah.
2: advice which mm. is kind of cool. So we'll, well shoot a text mm. out to my little sister's boyfriend to see what Lin has to say about these things.
1: Um, yeah and, I, and it's good. funny yeah he's an actor and he's also uh I, can, I won't disclose what it is but he will be in a horror sequel to a, real, a well-known property soon so that's kind of cool
0: okay does it come out in january
1: uh no are you thinking of scream okay
0: yeah
1: yeah no we're very excited for scream but that's for another time
0: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we'll let you know it's gonna be a scream the-
1: i couldn't keep it a secret i would just yell
0: <laughs> would you would scream yeah yes there uh we go. uh what was i gonna say oh so Lynn, uh, this has no bearing on the phone whatsoever. I found out that he played the, the Jonathan Larson part in Tick, Tick, Boom. Yes. At one point. Yeah. And I was like, Ooh, I bet that was rough. Cause he is not a good singer. <laughs> You're the second person uh, to tell
1: us that today. He's
2: okay. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. He's, he's such a conundrum. Cause he's such a talent. Like he's a genius. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. he's literally a genius. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. his Ooh. actual singing voice is not the best. Uh, and when you look at the caliber that is uh, accepted on Broadway, it, like to see him, it's kind of like, hmm, um, that's um, uh, that's interesting. We'll put that up on the fridge, Lynn. Good job. That was a great,
1: great try. He's <laughs> rapping, his rapping is good. Yeah. Um, and I'm also oh, yeah. in that. His voice is very nasal and Ugh. whiny to me, uh-huh. but I surprisingly liked one vocal performance recently. It was as the Pro Agua man in, uh, in the Heights.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. He actually sounded good.
2: <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. So, so the guy who originated this role is um, like I said, like Raul Sparza, who I adore. And so they had like a flipped gender Broadway thing at one point. And so uh, Raul Sparza and Lin-Manuel Miranda did a boy like that from west side story which okay. is anita and maria singing and they both together were so good so they have very similar vocal types when they are together so it's like i feel like if lynn gets the right part he can sing it well
0: yeah i think uh, most abortion, people's reference for his singing voice though is dear theodosia which is a duet with one of the best singers in the world right now i know, now. Like, I, know.
2: <laughs> I think i think he just can't write right for himself sure um yeah, he he can sound good. He does. He will never sound like amazing. He's right. never gonna be, you know,
0: Leslie Odom like, Jr. Like, like,
2: yeah, exactly. But you know, he Ooh. he can sound okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't see him though. as Jonathan Larson like Raul Sparza Totally. Yeah. And if you haven't listened to him, go look him up right now because he's amazing. But um, and also watch him in Hannibal um,
1: because Hannibal's great. Speaking of singing ability, I just want to point out, and um, a lot of people are very like apprehensive when uh Hollywood actors not known for their singing voice kind yeah. of film. Mm-hmm. Um as as someone who is around a lot of people who could sing, <laughs> uh, I'm okay. Uh but a- Andrew Garfield's vocal performance I thought was yeah. very, very strong really good. for having
0: like dug it
1: recently. But, like really good. Like yeah. I liked it. I thought he had mm-hmm. a nice pop like pop punk tenor, yeah. and I really dug it.
0: No, it was it yeah, was no, like, I- my favorite thing in the whole movie was was his vocal quality. <laughs>
2: No, I, I agree with that. And I typically, so like as a theater person and like being very familiar with Broadway actors and actresses and stuff, when I see movie musicals being made and I'm like, ooh, we're going to cast, uh, who is it? Uh, Pierce, Bro-
1: Pierce Brosnan. Did, you know, yeah.
2: Pierce Brosnan or uh, Russell, Crowe Russell Crowe and yeah. all these other people. And I'm like, there are literally like hundreds, if not thousands of theater actors who can sing so well that you are completely disregarding because you wanted a big name. Like it always like upsets me. Uh, but that being said, Andrew Garfield was great. I was really pleased with this no, performance. Yeah. I thought it was very sweet and genuine, but also like very tonally accurate. And it was great. He's doing
1: little riffs. Like it yeah. was a pretty damn good vocal performance.
0: No, it's yeah. ambitious to say the least. Like, I dude, agree. like it's, it's yeah. really good. And then when he's performing, cause there's a mix of live singing and, um, lip syncing in the film. Right. And, um, the one thing I noticed, especially cause we were talking about this in, Uh, in the Heights is that when they're singing and the camera is close on them in that movie, they're dead eyed and Andrew Garfield doesn't have that. Like his, his eyes, like there's almost, a, especially in like 3090, there's like a manic, uh, quality to his performance. That's really great. Like his eyes are moving back and forth all the time. He's keeping eye lines with people off camera. Like his eye lines are really, or his sight lines are really, really good. Uh, in yeah. in the performance, and he's doing all that while not losing a very natural like lip sync too, Um and it's he's he's really yeah. good at the movie.
1: Oh, because not everyone was good at lip.
2: No, there there were t- I forget which actors it, it was. It was
1: Robin De Jesus who's fantastic. Was it? Oh yeah yeah, yeah. There was a couple times he was lip syncing it wasn't quite. good.
2: Yeah, I was just like these people are horrible lip syncing. I'm like Vanessa Hudgens obviously because she's been doing right. High School Musical since she was like yeah, ten. Pretty good. Uh, so she's good at lip syncing, but it's. Yeah, I mean, and that must be a hard thing to do, but you could really see it with some of the actors. And Andrew Garfield, I agree, I think did a really yeah. nice job.
1: Oh, no, it just seemed like he was actually singing the whole movie to me.
2: Yeah. At no point was I like, oh, I don't think he's actually singing yeah. right now.
0: Okay, I, I do want to talk about Sunday. So Sunday is this oh, yeah. uh, It's this this cameo yeah, yeah, number. number where he's, so he's, he's at his day job, which is a, a server at a diner. And he sings a song about Sunday brunch. Um, and as he's singing it, the, the 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 patrons and some of the staff of the uh, establishment are like really famous Broadway people.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like Bernadette Peters was Yeah, there Bernadette too. Peters, B.B. Yeah, Newer, like, uh,
0: Philippa sue like yeah, Renee Hamilton. Elise Goldberg, okay. Goldberry, um, and then Lynn, Lynn himself yeah. uh, are all in that scene yes <laughs> and uh yeah it i don't know man what were your thoughts i don't know part of it was is it was a little cute it was a little annoying <laughs> uh you know i i got i was really put off by it when lynn showed up because <gasps> i well, you remember I was annoyed when the hold music in In the Heights was the um, uh, oh gosh da da, 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 da the, that song from Hamilton. You'll be back. Oh yeah, you'll be back. Um yeah. Yeah. Like that bugged me, <laughs> and uh, right. it didn't bug me that he was in that movie, especially as like the the couple cameo scenes he had because the yeah, man. because it's his thing. He wrote it, right? It really bugged me when he showed up in this. It really, he's just so, he just looks and sounds so specific that when he showed up, it took me out of it. And I was just Mm -hmm. like, ah, whoa. Like, I wasn't, I didn't even think about him potentially cameoing in the thing. And everything else up to that point, I don't want to say it was grounded because I do want to talk about the magical realism that I thought was pretty well done throughout the whole movie, but there was mm. nothing that big that had happened really until this scene. Um,
1: yeah. And there is a license while you're saying that MJ, I see, you know, it's funny is there is a license to break away from realism because it's a fucking, yeah, it's yeah. a musical. Um, but it just, I agree with you. Sunday stands out so much for all. The yeah. And then history. like,
0: so that happens and then it shows a few of the other patrons and I was like, okay, whatever. And I obviously not a theater guy, not picking up on it really at that much. And then mm-hmm. we see Philippa Sue and Renee Lee Goldberry. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm
1: sure you got Philippa Sue because I know you like, uh, yeah.
0: And, uh, and they're wearing the same outfit that they're wearing from Hamilton. <laughs> and they do the, the yeah, they do the little hand motions. And also I've been watching girls five Eva on Peacock, which has Renee Elise Goldberry in it. Nice. So, um, yeah so i saw those two and i was like oh is all of hamilton in this scene like i was like so that's where my brain went and then i saw bb newworth and i was like oh oh they're icy i see yeah okay i'm picking up on this now um mine was like joel
2: gray was the first one i saw because he was the original mc in cabaret mm -hmm. and then he originated the wizard in wicked um and he's been in other stuff obviously but it's like i saw him and then it was like oh and then like bb Newworth, obviously and then cheetah rivera and then obviously the girls from
1: hamilton the cast of rent were yeah yeah. yeah yeah and then
2: and then Burnett peters who's like an idol of oh mine. my and gosh so, yeah like there were a couple i'm like i recognize your faces but i don't know who you are so there was i mean ha huh, as a as a theater person So, like, because you have the perspective of a not-theater person. Seeing some of the people who I know have had... So, like, Bibi Newark has been, uh, you know, Velma in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cheetah Rivera has obviously been in in a shit ton of things. It's, like, all of these people, I I know that they've been in a lot of things. But even the ones I didn't recognize, I was like, oh, cool. This is the Broadway number where there's a bunch of, like, little Broadway cameos. But even then, it's still, like, if you didn't know every person, even me as a theater person, I felt a little on the outside. Mm -hmm. I was like ah i was that like, you look familiar but i don't yeah. know who you are but yeah. i know that i should know that you're a theater person and so it's like i and not that like you have to know every cameo that ever occurs in a film because also apparently roger bart was in the movie earlier on and i didn't realize that well, and I, well, I, roger
1: I actually bart. looked this up so roger bart the the um the black backup singer roger is based off of roger bart in the film because there's vanessa hudgens and then there's joshua henry who's the other main vocalist who plays roger um, he's based off of Roger Bart, But
2: wasn't Roger Bart actually in the movie though?
1: Yes. So that's yeah. why Roger Bart made that cameo. Yeah. Because I guess he, yeah, it's, it's the whole, we all love Larson thing.
2: Yeah. So it's kind of like, I think we've talked about this with other podcasts where it's like, I don't want to feel fully like on the outside looking in where like, if I don't know every single thing about this, then I feel like I'm not quite as informed to be able to enjoy this as much. Like inside baseball. Yeah. 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 And it felt a little inside baseball. And that was, this is a somebody who has literally majored in theater yeah. and who has, studied and watched a lot of shows and there were still some people where i was like oh man i like I, I wish i knew who that was like i guess i'm not as good of a theater major as i paid thousands of dollars to not know who this person right. was so i don't know like i i really did enjoy it i liked seeing the people who i did recognize i thought that was really nice and sweet i really liked that the hamilton girls got to do their sweet little like hand mm-hmm. gestures together because especially because len did it so I don't know. It was like it was a mix of I really like this and enjoy this, and also like I can see how this can feel very inside baseball because even as a theater major, part of it felt very inside yeah. baseball for me to a point that I was like, I don't know who some of these people are. I want
1: it. It's very. That's.
0: Uh, I was gonna say I wanted more Bernadette Peters from that point forward. Like it, she's. Oh well, that was. That's
1: what I was gonna say. That was the only cameo I was actually largely okay because with. they mentioned her. Here's a fun. Yeah. Well, okay, that and here's a fun bit of trivia because, like, one of Larson's musicals that he loved was Sondheim's RIP, Sondheim's Sundays in the Park right. with George, which mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of. That's one of my favorite right. musicals. And in that, that song Johnny Doesn't Know is like informed by that musical, which has Bernadette Peters in it. And mm-hmm. she actually wears her outfit from Sundays in the well, Park with so George. The, earlier so earlier in the
0: film, they're watching the PBS. Episode recording uh, exactly. Sundays right, in the right. park with george and they mention that right. outfit specifically um a- right. and exactly. they name drop yeah, her like so that part i actually was okay with like when she showed up i was like dope and then i was like oh she didn't do anything no like i i love right. her so yeah. much and so i was just like Dude, oh dang day. it that,
1: that bit of that bit of theater metatextuality I thought was good I thought that adds like a good resonance for the film but everything else is a little cutesy
2: but it was also like the least used and like utilized in that number and I'm like she of those people because she has had a bigger film career most of these people have only had theater careers Mm -hmm. so it's like if you haven't studied theater like everybody knows Bernadette Peters because she's been in a lot of movies Yeah, like at least show her more and she's also just an incredible like gosh tour de force of of theater she's incredible
1: so i think i know why they did that uh because like she has that silent moment where she like just looks at him Mm -hmm. in that moment with him so i think that they thought that that was supposed to be really profound but because we had just been bombarded by all those cameos with vocals that threw away that resonance. Yeah.
0: Well, and like part of me initially was like, is her voice like messed up now? Like, cause she's older. Cause I know like people's voice obviously degrades over time. But then I was right. like, wait, no, she's touring. Like, I remember no, like right before, right before COVID happened, she went on tour and played in California a few dates. Like, <laughs> so I, I know she's still singing. Um, yeah. You know, cause it's like, you know, Val Kelmer shows up in something now, you're like, oh, he's not gonna talk. But, uh, right, for you, sure. You know, no, that's not, that didn't happen to Bernadette Peters. So I was just like, what? I think you're, I mean, you hit the nail on the head with that, Jordan. Where like, everyone else got to sing and she just stares at Andrew Garfield. And I was like, wait, what? Like, why? Yeah. Why does she not one get of to sing? the
1: best musical theater voices.
0: <laughs> yeah, one yeah. of the best musical theater voices. And then like, the only one who, like you said, has earned a spot in this scene, really. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And she does the least amount of stuff. She just like, she the, gets the closest to him. Which is something, I guess. Like,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> there you go. Here's and your it, cookie. And
2: you see the the rent co hosts or co co cast members, or whatever, as like
1: homeless people later. Yeah. Which is funny because that's how the characters in Rent probably ended up.
2: And also, <laughs> <laughs> has one of the worst voices ever in a hater, but it's fine. It's fine.
1: That's whatever. Hot takes. Hot takes.
2: As the played uh, Mimi at one point,
1: so it's whatever. There you go.
0: Yeah. So so you brought up Sondheim and he doesn't feature in the film heavily though. I think his presence is kind of felt after felt a lot more after he's introduced. So, um, Bradley Whitford plays Sondheim in the, in the film. Right. Yes. Um, and, uh, he's great in the like two, three scenes he has. Right. Uh, oh, yeah. it,
1: especially but, if you've seen him in an interview before, it's very accurate.
0: It seemed like it. That's, it's funny cause we were talking about this off mic like, um, I didn't know what Sondheim sounded like. As a matter of fact, I still don't. He just passed yesterday at the time of us recording this, but um, I knew what he looked like. And so when Bradley Whitford showed up, I was like, oh, he actually, he looks a lot like him. And uh, then he started talking and I was like, that feels so specific that I'm feel like he sounds a lot like him too. Like the, the performance alone let me know that he did a good job, which, you know, Bradley Whitford, so. Yeah, for sure. Yeah,
1: Well, he did such a good job that I – and I didn't realize this until after. Um, the voicemail on the answering uh, answering machine at the end is the actual Sondheim.
0: No shit. Uh, I didn't factor. know that either until yeah. right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, and like it was, I guess, in the original show. But it's so funny because Bradley does such a good job emulating him that I just thought that was Bradley Whitford yeah. doing a Sondheim yeah. impression. Yeah, hey, it was yep.
0: seamless. Same. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I had no idea. Weird. Yeah. Fun
2: fact, uh,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah you so,
2: were with Sondheim
0: so with Sondheim um, so, so we we get the, the, that he's influenced Larson earlier in the sure. Sundays in the Park with George and then he comes to like the is it the New York songwriter workshop or whatever or musical workshop yeah. performance yeah. and tells him he did a good job and that he should you know pursue those ideas and that he needs the song for Elizabeth in the second act is Elizabeth the character's name right yeah Mm-hmm. Um, and then he shows up to okay. the uh, final, like, uh, what's it called? Is it a workshop? It's not a workshop. What's the?
2: It's yeah. I mean, it's essentially a workshop. Yeah. It's like yeah, it, it's a workshop for yeah the
1: public. Or, yeah, like, we 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 might call it like a preview or a uh yeah. um, What's the other word for that? In the scene Theater.
2: Oh, are you wait? Are you talking about when it's like him and the other two actors? No, when no, no. Super-
0: it, it, yeah, when he does the whole show with the whole, like with
2: the whole cast. Super- oh.
0: Because cause uh, there's the workshop that Sondheim one. shows up to and tells him, keep working on this. And then he shows up at like the final one. Yeah, that the... would be
2: more of like a preview. That'd be like a an alternate preview. Preview. Yeah. Yeah. preview,
0: okay. Yeah. Um, so he shows up to the preview and then he does the voicemail, which obviously is not Bradley Whitford. But um, I think it's interesting because one, I think Larson and Sondheim are very, even though obviously Larson has a much more limited output um, than Sondheim mm. had, I think they're both seen as um people who kind of pushed the 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 medium forward a lot um mm-hmm. yeah. in the way they approached like the format of the musical um the stage mm-hmm. musical and it's just really interesting talking about that now that both of them have passed um because right. obviously Jonathan Larson is the bigger tragedy quote unquote uh mm-hmm. because he died early and he died right before his first actual true hit happened um sure. but you know they they Obviously, that thing pushed. I mean, yeah, I would say without rent, you don't have Hamilton, even um, mm. let alone in the Heights or something like that. So, right. which uh, I
1: think Emmanuel does uh, say as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But without, you know, I don't know. Pick one company: uh, Sundays in the Park, Sweeney Todd, any of them, and we don't you, get Jonathan Larson. You don't get Jonathan right. Larson. Right. Right. Um, and you certainly don't get Lin-Manuel Miranda like that. I feel like those are his sure. two biggest influences right there. And I'm like, yeah. you know, on that sort of Mount Rushmore, like Lin's earned his spot, too, because he's definitely pushed forward what the format and uh, especially accessibility of yeah. Broadway can be. Um, mm-hmm. And I think both of both Sondheim and Larson also did the same thing. So it's it's really interesting to kind of see just like that lineage kind of happened, especially with the hindsight now, which, you know, unfortunately, coincidentally now is like both of Sondheim and Larson stories have come to an end. Um, right. so it was just is yeah. Go ahead.
1: No, I was like, I was going to laugh MJ. Cause the closest like time, or like the last time where we saw like three generations of talent who defined something, I was trying to think of when I last saw that, um, and this is just a total aside that you could cut, but it's uh the Eddie Murphy vehicle Harlem Nights, okay? Because um, you had you had Red Fox as an old mm-hmm. gangster, and then Richard Pryor as his mob boss, and then Eddie Murphy, and it was yeah. like two generations of people who defined comedy. So you're right; yeah. it's kind of interesting that Lynn is like he's put his heroes in this film, and it's almost like a Russian doll of like yeah, uh, or Matryoshka doll of like um, influences, and that's really cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and obviously. The, the Sondheim stuff is baked into the Larson's play, So it doesn't feel gross. You know, it doesn't feel like right, yeah. Lynn's reaching for the straws for this. Like it just so happens that this is the case. Like this, right. that the, 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 the stories of his two biggest influences are, you know, uh, intertwined in the way that they are, particularly in yeah. the works of one of them. Um, so that I really liked, like it, it, it almost is a, benefit knowing that Lynn had a hand in making the film be- mm-hmm. because of those two men right. and they're, they're the, what the movie's about like capital letters like big time about
2: yeah no I, I'd agree with that even with some of the more modern like uh, Broadway creators that we've had so like I just said Godspell which was created by Stephen Schwartz who did Wicked mm-hmm. and Wicked mm-hmm. was huge that was a massive hit Yeah, but it's like that wasn't anything new at the end of the day it was a it was a Amazing musical. It's beautiful. It's great to see. But it it wasn't doing anything different. So I I agree with the fact that it's nice to see somebody who did kind of take something new, like Lynn did with In the Heights and then did with Hamilton, where it's like we haven't really seen this much of an infusion with uh, popular music and hip hop and things that can be just you know released on Spotify so that you don't have to be a freaking like millionaire to go and see a Broadway show you can just listen to it at your house and be like oh man this is really cool and so it is really cool cuz i mean sonheim is so unique like my theater teacher used to say don't ever audition with Sondheim because his music is so difficult <laughs> yeah because he's so like discordant and all over oh, the place yeah.
1: rhythmically he's hard to follow yeah
2: they're yeah. like your, your accompanist won't know how to play it so just like make sure you do something easy and then you know Larson is his own thing in and of itself because he was more of I think more of a message guy rather than maybe his music being as different a lot
1: of flavorings too yeah. because a lot you know one thing they say in a movie which was a critique to Larson right he's like what do you want this to be is it a space satire is it a rock show Great. is it an opera is it a rock opera but that's the thing is that he also defied a lot of genre boundaries i think that was a huge uh con- yeah. contribution that larson made to theater
2: yeah so I, I agree with you i think it's it's nice to see um three men who really did have such a unique and not that there's not other you know uh theater <laughs> Composers and writers and stuff out there that have done a lot yeah. of stuff, but it it is nice to kind of see this like like compilation of the three of them together and to see kind of this love letter from Lin Manuel Miranda, especially right before. I mean, obviously, the untimely death of Stephen Sondheim, who was just an incredible uh, tour de force to the theater community. But it's yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that is kind of cool that they all got to have their own kind of moment together within this.
0: Yeah, and I actually think that that. Uh... Narrative and and you know sort of almost meta narrative um, because if you don't know Lin Manuel Miranda directed the movie then you're not necessarily going to pick up on this right. resonates stronger with people who do know that more than the central themes of the film and I don't want to say that they're bad uh, that's not the case mm-hmm. so the central theme of the of the the piece is that making art is hard right um, financially uh, creatively emotionally mentally and sometimes at the cost of your own physical well-being or you know those those around you sometimes including your cat um sure. which oh, made me laugh a lot the cat, um, they
2: showed up for only one scene Where, like, yeah. where else has cat
1: been?
0: yeah there's two shots of the cat in the entire movie um but where was the cat? <laughs> Even bad uh,
1: films, even bad films, will establish a cat early on. We had like, no establishment
0: of the cat. Yeah, Lin Manuel,
1: biggest... like his green was showing there.
0: That's, that's no, there's big, an establishment there's of the big big cat powerful. early on. He mentions that Is he me? has a cat, and yeah, he mentions that he has a cat, and there's one shot of the cat on his mantle, okay. and then we don't see the cat again until he cleans out the overfull litter box. That was it. Well, that that was...
1: that's not enough. That was the first thing we noticed. <laughs> no, it's like, certainly when the hell
0: not. Did he get a cat?
1: Yeah, like it was not well established because, like, I'm glad you were able to pinpoint it because, like, I pointed this out to several people and they're like, "Where the hell did that cat come yeah, from?"
2: This is my biggest <laughs> critique of the entire film. I'm like, where, where did this cat come from?
1: That darn
0: cat!
2: God dang it! Uh, oh, God. So, As cat owners,
0: <laughs> yeah, we're very upset. Um, so <laughs> but you, you were talking
1: about the themes of the film. Sorry. The
0: themes of the film. <laughs> not it's not that they're bad. It's that they're a little. Dale shiny um Uh, they're a little like we see him wrestling with superbia right Right. we see him wrestling with writing this song in the second act but we're also watching it through the lens of him creating an entire new piece right off the back of superbia Mm -hmm. that's fully formed we're not watching him struggle with writing tick tick boom he writes tick tick boom because he was struggling yeah. With superbia. Or he struck gold with superbia. And so it's about that. So like the blood, sweat, and tears that go into tick-tick-boom don't really come through. Uh it, you know, it's it's there's almost one step removed from that theme. I'm curious. The okay, so
2: as somebody who's not familiar with the show, when you were watching it, did you realize that what you were watching was tick-tick boom and that he was talking about writing suburbia or suburbia or like yeah, what, it, what um,
0: y- yes but i think i had another important frame of reference for it which like i said at the beginning it's adaptation for theater nerds right um because adaptation is very similar mm-hmm. um right because it's it was supposed to be about charlie kaufman adapting the orchid thief but it mm-hmm. was about he didn't write the orchid thief he wrote about how hard it was for him to write the orchid thief
1: correct with Uh his brother donald kaufman
0: (laughs) yes yes so uh i was able to use that as a frame of reference if i hadn't seen adaptation or didn't even know what adaptation was about i don't know if i would have picked up on that necessarily until pretty late into the film
2: no and that's that's fair i mean i like i knew the show ish i knew that the show was only three actors and so when I first saw the three on stage, I was like, oh, it's it's the show. But then when they started cutting, I was like, oh, they're cutting back and forth to like, you know, flashbacks mm-hmm. and stuff. But that's because I knew the show. I don't know that I would have picked up on that necessarily if I hadn't been aware of what the actual show's premise was. And I don't know if yeah. that was established as well.
1: No, it, it's not. It, you, it's not something that's like, Obviously established if you don't know the world right. of it, but we all had a frame of reference, so that wasn't an issue. But I, what I do, what I am interested in is, what do you mean by shiny? Because I'm, I'm, I'm confused by it, that word. First. What do you mean? It
0: felt like it was just like it was like, hey, making making stuff is hard, but it also, like, he did it. You know, like I, mm. I don't know. It's 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 hard to it's hard to.
1: Well, that's like every isn't that every biopic though? We know that eventually whoever it is is going to do the thing
0: yes but i would say that every biopic pick is just like the story of their life this is specifically like the show
1: is yes. about
0: how hard this stuff is and like watching it after rent has become a success like obviously him dying isn't in the show but right that's like the bigger tragedy but like seeing it in like a post-rent world it's almost like yeah but you did it you know like mm-hmm. it, it, and maybe maybe this is me on my high horse about like someone who's still kind of in the shit with it 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 doesn't feel pandery that's not the word i want to use but it almost feels like you're looking back at a place of success from where you came from and that's fine but the theme that the show wants is like how hard it is but it's like as someone who sees you know people like lynn and people like you know, Sondheim. Granted, he didn't, you know, address this necessarily. I mean, he may have in yeah. his work, but I'm not super familiar with it. But like seeing them, I'm already like, yeah. But it gets a lot easier once you establish a little bit of a foothold. And I understand that Larson wrote this piece when he didn't have one. Mm-hmm. But in like in in a in a bigger sense, where like we like rent is huge, it I, I it's not disingenuous. It just feels like. I didn't see Larson struggle with any of the stuff that's in Tick, Tick, Boom. I didn't see Larson struggle with any of the stuff that's in Rent, which is two bigger claims to fame.
1: Well, that's the yeah. whole thing, right, is that he needed to struggle in order to create those things like we talked sure. about. So I, sure. I think a theme of the movie you picked on earlier was like doing what the doing what you need to with the time you have right right so right. i thought that the whole even the fact that it's called tick tick boom and he hears the ticking of the clock i thought the whole film mm-hmm. was about a certain tempo that he was sort of living on a precarious tempo that you know almost like almost like ghoulishly he didn't know how much time he would know his time on this earth was short and then he yes. was struggling it, and to me it wasn't so much he was struggling to write i actually disagree it's not entirely uh parallel to adaptation it was struggling to get out his ideas in a timely manner i thought that time was more of a theme than the exact struggle of writing per se um mm-hmm. he does struggle greatly with that one song which obviously weighs deeply on him um you know and that's a great sequence but i think it's more about getting out his ideas and articulating them in a timely manner than it is necessarily the writing process like adaptation right.
2: Yeah. And I, I'd agree with that. Cause I, I agree with you, NJ. It's like, it is kind of hard, especially as an artist. Cause I know you're also somebody who works within like an artistic industry where it's like <laughs> yeah of course it's wonderful to see these stories where it's like people have to struggle and then all of a sudden they're really successful and it's like superbia was actually really well renowned and critically renowned and received a lot of awards which we don't see in the film before he did rent it wasn't just this like oh everybody liked it at your preview and now you're done like it did actually receive a lot of awards like he was and he had well sorry of up about it right? right and he he had earned rewards right. before then for a lot of the stuff he did so it's like it is always kind of of hard uh and i think like i remember i'm talking to some of my students because i teach high school where they'll be like oh well you know steve jobs dropped out of high school or college or whatever and he went on to be right Right. it's like so it's always nice to see those successful things where it's like somebody is that you know outlier who does really well within a field that you want to do well in but i do also agree with jordan like i i like the idea more so if they focus more and I i do think they did focus on it where it's not so much about like I'm an artist who's struggling and I've finally achieved it uh, so much as it is uh, I'm somebody I'm and I think we all as people in our early 30s or in Jordan's case late 20s, like very much are aware of time and like our ages yeah. and like i remember realizing that like usain bolt was like younger than me at one point and i was like what the hell i was like what have i done with my life that this man has now well, won yeah. like a billion olympic medals and what have i done like i i beat all the levels in angry birds or something so it's like the, the yeah whole i mean i'm movement. a
0: tennis i'm a tennis fan so the the greats have always been younger than me yes. since i turned like 20.
2: <sighs> yeah. And I think that that is something that I think is so relatable. And I think it maybe could have even been hit on even just a little bit more. But obviously, I, I do. I like that theme because I think that more like because I mean, not everybody's an artist, right? Like you're not a theater artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so right, not, right. not everybody's an actor. Not everybody's involved in theater, but every single person ages. Every single person knows what it is to have to go through that issue of like, oh, shit, yeah. look at what other people who are younger than me have already done. We almost
1: had dreams that we wanted to right. assume to, that well, we it, may not. Yeah.
2: Really yeah, we maybe haven't done it yet. And it's just like it feels like time is passing quickly. And so that like and I know that that was a very obvious like with like the ticking like Jordan said happening the whole time. Right. But if that I like. I feel like there was a little bit sometimes more of a hit into the, the theatery artist thing and I'm like, oh obviously because
1: it's a it's a theater. Because so, they do directly but, even mention what you said as an example with you and Usain Bolt. Because, like, they said at one point, he's like, Man, Somheim wrote his first thing on Broadway. What right? was this? So they do acknowledge that. Yeah, in the no, show. they do. And
2: I like that. And yeah. so I like, I like when they leaned into that because I think, especially if you want to go for a more general audience and not just like theater kids, because especially because this was an off Broadway show. So I know a lot of theater people who weren't even very familiar with the show. Uh, it's like hitting into that existential crisis of age is such just a common a common thing that we all concern ourselves with, especially millennials, I think, and anger. So I don't know. I, I liked when they kind of hit more on that, and that was really nice. So I agree with you both. Yeah, and the
1: yeah. AIDS crisis was a so, nice so, backdrop to that, because yeah, I think sure. that really showed that element of timeliness mm-hmm. and creating before your time runs out as well.
0: Yeah, and I feel like that also hits, you know, in COVID times <laughs> as well. Sure.
1: Um, There's a newfound resonance. It,
0: yeah, but... But like, so the 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 struggle to like wrestle the thing out of the ether is something that happens. But so I, and this is gonna be funny because like these are the most successful yeah. people I'm about to talk about. I started watching Get Back today, right? Oh. The Beatles doc on on Disney Plus. So jealous. I need to watch it. It's eight hours of nothing happening, and then all of a sudden the Beatles write a Beatles song. Like it is such a great portrait of the futility of art Mm -hmm. it's it's maybe the best way the best thing i've ever seen about how hard it is to create art because it's the fucking beatles true and they've got three weeks to get 14 new songs out and the first like three days they're taking weekends off by the way the first three days they're just like staring at each other basically <laughs> like they just like they're like what do you have anything right. nope do you have anything no not oh, really and devil. they're just like <laughs> <laughs> they're just like noodling and like playing chuck berry songs like is this anything preston, like or like playing songs. i said billy preston can you they talk about something? billy preston <laughs> the <laughs> the Beatles. In, in the uh the Beatles. Stand by that. yeah yeah, they talk about they talk about George talks about Preston a lot oh, at, at one point, but it's just like, they yeah, they talk about seeing Ray Charles live and like if they can pull anything from that. They talk about like they do the song that they performed as their opener on their last tour, right. which was three years ago now to see if they can pull anything like it's and it's days before anything happens. But then. Paul shows up. George is already there. George is, like, in a shitty mood, and he's he's like, John's late again. Yeah. Like, he's mad that John's late. And Paul's like, oh, yeah, he'll get here when he gets here. He'll probably be here by noon or whatever. And Paul just sits down, straps on his base, starts just, I mean, literally just digging around, like, not doing anything. Yeah. By the end of that, get back's almost ready to That's go. Awesome. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what? He just, like, write, he writes it on the fly in the studio while they're waiting for John Lennon to show mm-hmm. up. And I was just like, you know, and, and it's, it's the, that's the thing. Right. And obviously like, it's just crazy watching that thing. And I, I want to do an episode on it, but so I don't want to camp on it too much, but it was just funny watching. Like I, I, it was just funny watching like, um, Tick, Tick, Boom, which is very much about the struggle to create art. Right. And then this, which is very much about the struggle to create, let it be. Mm-hmm. Um, And having a limited amount of time, obviously none of the Beatles had died at the end of it, but like they had a deadline because Ringo had to go shoot a movie- When
2: they didn't know that that was- Which is
0: more important than being in the Beatles. Right, right, yeah, there's that too. Yeah, by the, yeah, yeah. Um, That comes up at several points too, but it's just, it's so interesting just watching them do the artist thing. Cause like, you feel like, you know, especially now you're like, Oh, it's the Beatles, like they just had bangers right. for six years. For That's all they when did. You did right. see
2: Genius yeah, you think you it, just take it, it for, granted. for them, and it's like, no, this boy yeah. took them for freaking ever.
0: Yeah, and then, like, a crazy thing that happens is George is like, oh, I've got this to this tune, and it's all things must pass. Oh. And John and Paul are like, No, oh my god, like, they're just like, No, we're not, we're not doing that. And you're like, what the fuck? They just completely wrote off all things must pass. Like that's so crazy. (laughs) No wonder George that was the
1: best solo output out of any Beatle.
0: Absolutely.
2: So they can. So good. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that album's so good.
0: Yeah, it's so crazy to see like what they wrote off, and then just to see them like also just like literally like long stretches of silence of just like shit. we could try this and then maybe this could go to this chord and I don't know what, what, what do we got? John, what did we write when we were 15? We got about a hundred songs that we didn't write or that we haven't revisited since we were 15. What do we got there? Like, let's play those. Like literally just like mining every corner of their life to try to find this. And in your brain, like it just like, they just like walked in the studio and were like, here's this, here's this, here's this, here's this 14 songs later, boom, here's (laughs) let it be. But it's it's super it's similar not. With,
2: like, 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 uh, with tick tick boom. It's like you yeah. think of these these geniuses as being able to like just produce these things right away. And it's like and I think that's why a lot of like young kids are like, oh that's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna be a star right away. And it's like, no man, that takes so mm. much time. Even if you're a like talented genius at these things, it still takes a really long time. So I like I like kind of that depiction of things. Like, of people struggling just to like, not because I mean, yeah. struggle, I'm a Lutheran. So like, I want everybody to know that we struggle and everything is hard and life is hard. Sure. But it's like, it's always like a good thing to remember where it's like, life won't always be easy. You do need to work hard at it. Even if you're really good at it, you still need to work really freaking hard.
1: That and acknowledge, I think the film yeah. also did a really good spot midway through of acknowledging the privilege of getting to create. And I think that that's not talked about as enough. Like mm. I, I mm. wish I had the, mm. the freedom to write a screenplay all day given my work schedule and my create right, right. But the act of creating isn't itself a privilege sure. and i think in the film there's one point right. where his friend michael just calls him out he's like you don't understand how hard this been i've tried to write a musical he's like i'm dying uh yeah. <laughs> just so you know yeah um and i like that you know creating in itself is a fundamentally kind of selfish self-absorbed and um what's the word that you bought for it self-indulgent act and that's what it is being an artist Mm -hmm. Um, and i think that that's an aspect of
0: jordan i have two
1: podcasts (laughs) exactly and i think that's the point of like um i i thought that was a really nice point that the the film made is um in in the creation of art the people that you could hurt along the way if you don't acknowledge you know other people in the creation of that art yeah
2: when like I really like this scene, and Jordan and I both did, I think, with um him and Michael, where it's like it would seem like you should be on his side where he's like kind of yelling at Michael, like, Oh, you're a sellout, and you went into like business and stuff. And he's like, I'm like just literally trying to live. Like you're able to do this, and this is kind of yeah. like natural, like Jordan was just saying, yeah. like essentially it's a selfish activity. And not that you shouldn't be able to, you know, create and do things in your free time, but don't fucking shit on me because I'm trying to do what I can to survive. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, that's not a very common thing, especially with, like, an artistic yeah. type of story, because we always want to see the artist as the hero. We
1: self-aggrandize.
2: Right, and the businessman is the villain. And it's like, no, like, sometimes you just literally have to do what you can to survive so you can do what you like to do creatively.
1: Yeah, and it gives him happiness, uh, yeah. which I enjoy. Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, he was so good. The guy who Michael was so good. No, I thought the... i i I thought the piece was actually very fair as far as that goes like it's a very like warts and all depiction of it like especially in that scene the therapy scene which is my favorite scene in the movie just i love the 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 cross-cutting between like it's the best cross-cutting between the stage and the real world quote-unquote um section of of the film but also like watching him like make it better and then immediately make it significantly Mm. worse when like he hugs her and he starts like doing the piano on her back and she's like oh my god you're trying to figure out how to make this into a song and he's like "Uh," he like he just there's nothing there for him and i actually i really liked that that you know it was able to have a sort of clear eyed perspective Mm. on that um to 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 like you said acknowledge like how kind of selfish creating is um and like i said i have i'm no stranger to right me. for sure
1: <laughs> um, it's so funny uh, too, i was gonna bring up that scene next mj because you know how you felt about sunday mm-hmm. <sighs> so i like therapy if it wasn't cross cut uh here here and i talked to missy about this and i here's have something to say period. about that
0: as well but make your point <clears throat>
1: Because um, there's, there's what, actually
0: something that makes it kind of bad. Anyway, go ahead.
1: Okay, so here's something I would have done, because that wasn't my favorite scene in the movie, but it could have been, and here's why it wasn't. So um, I thought it would be a much more jarring juxtaposition if we had opened up with a therapy number with him and Vanessa Hudgens, which is already very dynamic in its own right, and there can already be a lot of different ways to film that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we go to the cold reality of his sequence um, with uh, Susan, so um. I-, I thought that cross-cutting the two took away from both. I-, I thought it took away from the immediacy and comic intensity of him and Vanessa Hudgens' song. Um, but at the same time, it gave Susan and his scene the emotional short shift. Um, I found that that scene needed to breathe on its own. And I thought it'd be so much more resonant if there wasn't fucking Andrew Garfield and Vanessa Hudgens shamelessly mugging in between. It 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 just made and I get it. It was like a serial comic thing, but it utterly did not work for me. I really liked both scenes, and if I you know if I was an editor, I would have placed them back to back and not cross cut them.
0: Okay, I'm verifying something, uh, Missy. Yeah. If you have something to say about therapy, go for it.
1: Oh.
2: No, I mean, Jordan and I had talked about that, and I I don't disagree with his premise. Like I said, that was the first song I'd ever heard from the show. Um, I really like it a lot. I thought it was an interesting take to do it, kind of like little, like, vaudevillian puppets. Um, but, yeah, I, I do think it would have been kind of powerful to have had this, like, oh, this is such a fun song. This is so funny. They're being so, like, muggy. And then all of a sudden, like, bah, like, cold reality of this is what's actually happening, though. So I I... I don't disagree with Jordan. And I, I like that take too. Um, It wasn't necessarily my favorite cutting. I do feel like it kind of undercut the seriousness because that was such a tough scene with him and Susan. And it, it did feel like it was kind of being undercut a little bit. Um, I mean, I can see an argument for both. If you're like, oh, I like the the you know um, juxtaposition of the yeah. two, um, but for me personally, and I think for Jordan as well, we kind of would have pro- rather preferred it being like all of one and then all of the other rather than just like a mix of both because that kind of um, scrambled it a
1: little bit. Yeah, especially since Susan kind of got the short shift in the film, in my opinion she had a really nice scene at the end with Jonathan that was more mm. interesting and tinged with like real pathos or pathos to me. But, um uh... I, I just thought that her character, you know, the, the, the big thing dating this musical and where this musical shows its age is it's kind of the nagging girlfriend, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, she's yes. not a creative. She doesn't understand. And the, and the film does do a good job of showing that he's kind of the selfish she one. Was. Uh, she was a no, she was a creative. But, you know, you mm-hmm. she, was, she was a dancer, correct. Mm-hmm. But what I meant to say is that her creativity wasn't at the forefront of her everyday being like it was Larson's. Um, it used to be. But now she's looking into doing the study job in the city. She's moving on.
2: Wonder if I can add to that i think it's like that michael gets the benefit of also having that right because he was a creative and yeah, he, was he was somebody who we at least see his side of the story when he goes into the corporate world whereas with susan we just see she seems more like a sellout like we don't see kind of we don't she doesn't get that monologue of gratification of showing this is why i had to change what i was
1: doing or maybe yeah, i forgot for one it. song she has to share with vanessa hudgens and i'm like I, I would have preferred if that actually didn't have Vanessa Hudgens harmonizing. I wish it was just Alexandra Shipp, who was phenomenal in the part.
2: Yeah. she had such a great voice. I was like, why don't we get to like hear her sing more often? She was so good.
1: Yeah, she needed more yeah. than that one song in the show.
2: So yeah, yeah, a lot of thoughts on that. Yeah.
0: The yeah, and the one song is not a great song. I thought like it's agreed. It's the it's the most generically like musical theater song <laughs> in the whole show.
1: Yeah. yeah. At least due to those performances, I think in the original show, yeah. don't you like it Missy in the show better?
0: Yeah.
2: Once again, like I've always liked shows that have like a small cast where, um, actors have to play different roles. Like I always think that's very mm-hmm. intriguing um and so I, I liked it when i first heard the soundtrack so i'm like oh this is only three actors the whole time and i'm like that's pretty cool and then with this one i was like how is there vanessa hudgens and another person and then when i watched it i was like oh this is the conceit of it is we're watching tick tick boom but we're also seeing his life as it was happening and inspiring yeah um so yeah i don't know you know and and vanessa hudgens is not my her
1: singer well, she's a bit disney um she obviously has a powerful voice and objectively speaking it's very good Um, But I kind of like the unpolished nature of uh, Andrew Garfield or the more down to earth vocal of Alexandra ship than I do to the beautiful polish of Hudgens who I could take or leave.
0: I think that it it serves the Jonathan Larson of it a lot better, right? Like his whole idea was like, you know, musicals for the MTV generation. Right. Um, So there's, there's, there's a little grit on them, you know? Yeah. Um, There's some edge. So anyway, (laughs) so back to, back to therapy. Yeah. yeah, I love the scene. I love the song. It's my right. favorite song in the show. Yeah, oh, it's,
1: it's so good. It's such both a both scenes good song. separately. We really liked. Yeah,
0: no, the song is great. right, 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 right. No, the cross cutting works really well for me. But okay, this really frustrated me. If you go back and watch it on Netflix, and I want someone to do this and confirm this to me because I've confirmed it. I, I watched the, sh- the, the 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 film, and the next morning I rewatched the scene, um, because I was like, I can't believe this happened, and I just looked at it. On YouTube, um, and it's not there, but on Netflix, there is a, uh, I hesitate to say massive because it, because it is only one, there's a dead pixel in the scene, uh, but it's only in the scene in his apartment. It's not on the stage scene.
1: Well, what? you see, because their their love was dying, and it was a metaphorical uh,
0: dead pixel. Oh, I see.
2: <laughs> is there really? Okay, I think I remember you saying this. I don't think I. I don't think I saw it. Where there? Wait, have you seen it since? It's
0: yes. So I watched it the next morning. Yeah. So I watched it the day it came out on Netflix. Sure. And I noticed it, and I was like, "This is a movie they're trying to push as one of their like FYC, like for your consideration movies." And there's a huge dead pixel in the. Middle of the frame. During a very like pivotal moment for this character. You know, and it's here the entire scene we're in the apartment. Huh. So then I watched it the the next morning. I showed it to Kristen, and I was like, "This is so frustrating because this song is great, and I like the way it's put together." We have to rewatch. But there's this huge dead pixel right here in the middle of the frame. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to rewatch. It is the only thing. It's the only thing. It's the only thing I could see. During it. It was so annoying. Are
1: you sure? And then you're you're sure it's not anything to do with uh, what TV. you watch it on or your TV or your thing?
0: It, yes, because it's not there when it cuts back to them on stage. It is not there and it is not there in any other part of the oh, show that okay. I missed.
1: Well, the good thing about Netflix, um, I think, is you have the ability to give them another cut and say that might just be something that just needs to be re-edited.
0: Yes, but the the other thing that is annoying, and I'm going to get kind of meta about Netflix here, and I don't really want to camp out on that because it's not really what the episode's about, is like this is the second time this year a high profile Netflix project has had that happen. The other one was Army of the Dead, the Zack Snyder movie, which obviously isn't a good movie, but it's a
2: wonderful, still fun movie.
0: You don't think
2: it's fun. It's a bad movie that's fun. it, it
0: just—I don't understand how this corporation that has like literal billions at their disposal to make That's this fair. stuff turns in routinely these amateur-hour ass-like uh-huh. looking things. It's ridiculous. uh You know, I—I I don't get it. I don't get why. And it's not even like they're cheaping out on this stuff. Like they're throwing hundreds of millions of dollars at these right. products.
1: Well yeah, but they also threw through a lot of money at the Fire Festival and it didn't work out no, that I'm great. So what I'm saying is maybe Shoot. the people over at Netflix sure. don't um you know, they don't have enough cinephiles working for them. They don't have enough people who can understand the importance of these little details. Um just because they have money doesn't mean it's going to be executed right. So, you know, I blame the corporate overloads of Netflix on that one.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess, but like at what point like does the editor come into play to be like, hey, there's a shit ton of dead pixels in this. There's, there's way more in, there's way more in army of the dead or what? Yeah. Army of the dead. Is that what it's called? There's way more in that. It's only this one scene, but like at some point, someone who gives a crap should notice. I feel like. Sure.
1: Well, yeah, I you know what? Uh, respect to that, but I, I still think the jarring cutting bothered me a lot more. I think that's what I was a little bit more focused on. Um, but you're more technical, so I understand how a dead pixel can be very frustrating.
0: Yeah, and I actually, weirdly, I didn't notice I'm an army of the dead, but I paid way less attention to that movie because it was boring. No, and, it uh, was
2: fun. You guys are insane. Why am I the only person who enjoyed oh, that hold movie? Hold on, hold
1: on. I think I'm in the middle because I believe that... M J and Michael, uh, tell me if I'm correct. M J, you guys thought it was trash.
0: I don't. I don't think Mike even saw okay. it. But, you, you thought it was trash. Uh, it. Yeah, I didn't. I yeah. I, I yeah, I was you sure thought
1: that. it was trash, and then Missy like. Loved it,
2: and I, it, did, it, I didn't love it. Okay, you, 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 you did. did. You were. I don't think it's Missy, a good movie. It. It's it's like hot oh, rod to me. It's something that I enjoy that I do. You I know it's not yourself, good. Let me just, let me just, but I like watching. it Let me it just all set
1: time. the stakes. Hold on. Fine. So you did love it because Missy literally came out of theaters like just going like this was sub awesome. and then you didn't like it. I was somewhere in the middle. I I thought that. It was very entertaining. I don't know. It is. I, I don't under, quite understand boring. The only thing that was boring was how hard it was to fucking see shit with how dark it was. That's fair. The whole damn movie. It yes. was a very ugly movie to look at for what, for a movie yeah. place in yeah. Vegas. I agree. Um, but once we got, you know, I mean, it's Ocean's Elevens with zombies. I, it was fun. I, I, I don't see how you couldn't have a little bit of fun. I it. thought it was fun.
0: I love the premise, but I think you hit the nail on the head as to why I thought it was boring because it's so it ugly. Okay. The, and like, I if you're lie. gonna do that premise, it's got to be primarily I visual. I yeah, And because that wasn't it. there, <laughs>
2: no, it's not that I like. It's that I enjoy it. it. I enjoy it, but I don't think it's good. I think those are two different things. I can enjoy something like I can enjoy like the earnest films like when I was a child, but I know that they're not good movies.
1: You were know? so inebriated for those ones. That was not. <laughs> like that.
0: Wait, like, like, Ernest Scared oh, yeah. Stupid? That movie... The shit okay, out, yeah, know, yeah, well. no. Th- those are great, because Jim Varney's great. Yeah. Wait, yeah. He's, like, they're he's not, just, he, they're, commits, they're very he commits. He commits 100% to that They're character. not,
2: they're not, like, objectively great pieces of, like, the films are not great. Right. The Jim Varney performances, but they're performance but they're entertaining. And no, we so that's agree with what you. I feel about that? Like I can I can separate those two. There are films that I find supremely enjoyable that I recognize are not good films. And I don't think Army of the Dead was good, but I really enjoyed it, and I would watch it again.
1: Yeah, but you know, yeah, but Jim Barney's fantastic. No, though.
2: Jim barney <laughs> is a treasure. He's oh, an I
1: asshole. just saw, yeah. I just saw a video essay about him and it was just going into white. Incredible. like cuz he was like the first like YouTube celebrity in many ways.
2: And in the earnest Christmas movie, are you kidding yeah, me? Incredible. Yeah. So good.
1: Yeah, he's great.
2: But yeah, scared stupid. That scared the shit out of me when I was little. Those the troll thing that scared <laughs> yeah. me so much.
1: Oh, wait, hold on. I'm, anyway, I, I was tracing yeah. the track. We're digressing. It, was, it was it was dead pixels. It's okay. Dead pixels. Um, and it was the, it was the therapy yeah. cross cutting. So it just seems like we disagree on it. But right. yeah, I'm, I'm glad we got to talk about that scene because I thought it was worthy uh, to talk about that um, Sunday. Um, yeah. And I also wanted to mention my favorite musical interlude in the film because um, we've we've named some mm-hmm. notable ones. Um, but surprisingly, I mm-hmm. think the the small home stitched feel of um, of uh, God, what was it? This is the life. bo boho bo- 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 yes, oh, days. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so days. Yeah. with that song, I thought that that sequence, um, the way it almost felt like, because uh, there wasn't any, that much background. It was all like acapella. It makes was very some clapping And very renty. But what I liked about that number was you got a sense of his character. There was a lot of uh, innate and raw charisma, the way he remembered everyone's names, he, the way he was feeling about, but he was also acting like a jackass, which was the perfect, like, uh, like, what do you call it uh it was a perfect encapsulation of his character mm. uh, and it just it just felt lived in and good and wonderful and i thought it captured the tone of what i wanted to see from this musical yeah so that was probably my favorite musical interlude
2: i liked it a lot it's not in the original musical it's kind of like a little reprise that they add on the soundtrack that jonathan larson sings yes um but I, it's, it's the most renty to me, which is funny because I know you don't like rent. No, because, um,
1: well, because to me, it was just a moment of pure joy. And it kind of captured what it feels like to be in a small artistic community. And it's like you have uh, – unlike rent, it's done well. Um, there's that wall – there's like that stockbroker bro who's there. And he's just like, you know, if you put like a human in a room full of theater people – you're going to be overwhelmed and like, whoa, what's that? And I liked having that perspective. And it, it just felt like as someone who like we hang out with a lot of theater people and we've had a lot of little theater events and uh, the heart of a theater community. It felt like that scene. Um, it's just a bunch of creatives who are poor and struggling through life doing something they love for the shared love of it, um, which really was the community that Larson came from.
2: Which is why so they, I like
1: Rent. But Rent is horrible and has horrible yeah. takes on many a thing, and it, and the characters are some of the worst people ever. So Rent is horrible. Um, but I did love that. Scene. Right. But
2: what did you actually think about Rent? Terrible. Um. So the song Rent, though, it reminds me a lot of the Boho days, where it's just very well. And also, yeah. um, the one that they sing at the restaurant during Rent, um, the title escapes me right now. B- oh, uh, it's- uh, it's- Bohemian. Yeah. It's- yeah the bohemian uh, whatever it is the one that they sing, yeah yeah it's, well, uh, it's a very similar thing where it's like let's just kind
0: of bohemian lovey jeez
2: louise uh, uh whatever it is i like i can hear the tune in my head i can't think of the words yeah yeah um it's
0: yeah lovey lo, bohem lo, i'm the worst song. theater
2: major ever. Yep. yeah but it's that kind of thing like that song and and the song like rent itself like it just kind of that reminds me it's very jonathan larceny where it's like, I'm going to kind of throw out all of these different weird things because being an artist is such a weird thing in and of itself. We have a lot of different interests, whether you be, you know, like you, you're like more of a sound engineer and an artist and we're more uh, performance artists. And whether you be a writer like Mike is or whatever the case is, it's like there's all these different things and it's such a weird, like, spectrum of of different types of people that you can can find and different lives that you will see. And so, I don't know, I, I really do like that. And I think that is something that hopefully even if you're not like specifically an artist of any kind, I mean, at one point I would like to think everybody has been creative, even if you were a child, maybe you like to color or something. So it's like, I I would hope that that.
1: Right. Yeah. I I thought that that was a a song that was a nice, uh, I also really like 3090. Oh yeah. uh, That, that early performance. Yeah. It's a great
0: way to open the film for sure. Thirty Ninety is a fantastic opening number and a fantastic way to open. Like that whole scene is really, really, really great. Right.
2: When I think like we were talking about earlier that kind of sets the whole mood for the whole show mm-hmm. not even I mean obviously the artistic thing is a big thing but whole, that whole idea of oh shit I mean and that's what Bo Burnham's whole inside yeah. thing a lot of it was about too where it's like oh shit I'm getting older what have I done yeah. with my life when I see that these yeah, people
1: that are was Yeah that, that was the <laughs> entire premise of my um, yeah. old, uh, 30 year old
0: well that, 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 that idea of like I'm turning 30 and like it's a big deal is the entire premise of my panic disorder as well so I totally get it um <laughs> right yeah well and you and i are in
2: our early yeah. 30s now uh, and jordan's going to be in his 30s soon it's just like yeah, remind me. it's a well and that's the thing is like it's it's a weird it's a weird arbitrary number that we have decided to say you need to do this by this yeah. date because we've known so many geniuses <laughs> yeah. who have and not that we're not geniuses we're all obviously incredibly talented people but it's like i don't know we we set these arbitrary things ourselves and i think that's kind of a nice examination to see within this where it's like maybe that's very arbitrary and we don't need to focus as much on you know the actual age that we have like it doesn't matter if you're 30 when you achieve something or if you're uh you know younger or older or whatever the case might be and that's, I don't know, I think a good thing to remind people of, because we try to set the, at, like, I tell it to my students, I'm like, 18 is not the date that you have to have your whole yeah. life figured out. Like, I'm sorry, like, that's just not going to be,
0: you're still a child, you don't know what you're doing. I mean,
2: so, I mean, and I guess 30 is not always. No, I mean,
0: either. I made a big deal out of 30, for sure. Um, And I, you know, yeah. 30 is when my panic disorder did set in, and it was 100% for the reasons laid out in the movie, just instead of writing an autobiography right. for it, I just went to the hospital more than I should have. Like, that that was the only difference. You ain't so different, me. Jonathan you don't want a musical yeah. about it. Uh, but, you know, I'm three years into my 30s now. I'm 33. And I have a much better perspective on it now. Um, I do think that, you know, there's, there's... There is this idea of, you know, if I could just write the one thing, you know, I could leave my mark or whatever. I don't want... Just the right. one thing. I don't want to leave a mark the way Jonathan Larson did either. Like, I don't desire, like... I don't want to change the medium for anything. But, uh... You don't want Jordan to shit on you on a podcast years after you've died. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's not No, I want his grandkids to do that. I'll do um, it. No, I, uh, uh, I. You know, but I I don't want just the one thing either. You know, like I I. But right. my trade off is that I don't want to I don't want to change the game, but I want to play the game and have sure. several things to be proud of within it. Like and yeah, um, for sure you know the so but it's it is funny like looking back at 30 and like now at 33 like I'm the best I've ever been at my medium of choice which I know you say audio engineering it's podcasting which there is an audio engineering element element too but like if I look at like my big like you know if I if I write if I write my tick tick boom right about a a specific thing it's about podcasting and it's instead of a musical it's it's a podcast about podcasting like that's that's the art form I that's the type of artist I see myself as. And so I've already told you you need to make a podcast about podcasting. <laughs> um, yeah, and do, do
1: write the tick-tick boom of podcasts, but do not write the rent of podcasts.
2: There's
1: yes. a fine line.
0: All that said, like I totally understand the nature of like wanting to get your thing out. And not only that, but wanting to get like the recognition for doing a good job and not just because Right. Not just because it's fridge worthy, but because like the you see a value in it to other people, and also, yeah, and also sure. other people tell you there's value in it. Like, you know, and I, I totally get that. Like Sondheim telling Jonathan Larson, like, "Hey, Superbia is good." That's going to mean the world yeah. to someone, right? Like it within that.
1: Right. He needed that to keep. Yeah, going.
0: yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know. It, it, way less we had someone tell like lj fam that our show got her through covid in the hospital while she was pregnant she was she was she was in the hospital for like two three weeks and she was like the she was like one of the only things that kept me going was listening to your show and i was just like like you know like that yeah it just like to 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 think about like doing our dumb little podcasts and it meaning something to someone somewhere. It just like, I don't know, it, it, it feels different. And that's, that's the thing that really lights the fire to be like, okay, we're going to, we're going to do this. And, but now if we're going to do this, we need to do this right. And we need to expand and we need to make it better. And we need to make it bigger. And we need to, you know, we need to, I don't want to say take the world by storm. Once again, I am not the future of podcasting, but like, there is something when you get positive feedback like that, where it's like your thing helped me. You want, yeah. you, you want to keep doing that forever.
2: For sure. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Oh,
0: proud of you, buddy. I mean, you're part of this too, Missy. Like take some credit. Damn. <laughs> um, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so yeah, should we, should we finish our yeah, podcast? You, yeah. We'll Do you guys, you guys have
2: anything else? <laughs> Um. Uh, to add about Tick Tick Boom. Yes. Um. What about you?
1: Um. <laughs> you go ahead first.
2: Uh. I don't know. I. I recommend it. I. It's harder for me to have more of an objective standpoint because obviously I'm a theater major. I'm a theater kid through and through. I like to think that I can have an objective standpoint. Um. Because I don't always feel like a theater kid. We were talking about that a little earlier. <laughs> sometimes a group of theater kids can be super annoying, and I sometimes also find them annoying, so I'm like maybe I am kind of objective. Um, so I don't know. I like to think it was just a good film. I think if you're somebody who is reached thirty, who is coming near thirty, who is past thirty or or has at any point felt an existential crisis and a need to want to you know uh compare yourself to others which is not always the best thing to do as we know it's the thief of joy um i think it's a good film i think the music is really solid i think they took out the songs that weren't that good and they made them background songs i think the songs that are really good are in there um i think the performances are great andrew garfield is really uh, really really nice to watch and listen to
0: yeah
2: i thought uh, michael was really great the, the actors were just Robin really- yeah they it was a really good cast um I really enjoyed it and I don't think you necessarily have to be a super theatery person too because I think everybody can relate to that kind of existential uh, you know crisis I guess of of not knowing what to do with your life
1: (laughs) yeah um point about theater kids I found that like the the theater people I like the most are like were theaters not their only hobby yes so like if theater's not your only hobby, you're probably not insufferable. The problem with theater people is the world can be a bit insular, yeah. which I think made Jonathan Larson uh, as a character in this, uh, I can't claim to know the guy, but as a character in this, he was just like musical, musical, musical. It's like, okay, but what else? Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, but as far as this is concerned, like my summation is I, I, I thought it was an imperfect, but heartfelt ode to a person who passed too soon. Um, I think that the sentimentality may be coming from the fact that the screenwriter, fun fact, uh, wrote uh, Dear Heaven Hansen, I'm pretty sure, at least the book or the musical for it. No <laughs> shit. Yeah, so I think, you know, a lot of theater work, sentimentality and, like, maudlin nature is just, like, kind of baked into it. But I thought this one avoided a lot of the pitfalls of, uh, you know, this film's remarkable in a certain sense. It avoided pitfalls of all my least favorite things. Uh, movie musical adaptations, uh, biopics, and movies about creating art. Uh, I generally dislike most of the three things, uh, those three things, because th- yeah. they're never done well. And this movie musical somehow didn't annoy the hell out of me. I mean, I yeah. think that that's an honor. Um, I-, I liked it. I thought it was, it was, it was pretty strong letterbox three and a half. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, it's a good movie. Um, like I can't really complain about it. There's nothing like terrible in the movie that happens. And now Andrew Garfield's real good in it. Um, yeah, it's, sure. it's, he's, he's definitely the highlight. Um, it's drags a little bit in the back half. I feel like, um, I think from Sunday o- onward, maybe it starts to get a little like watch checky. Um, but th- sure. that's not terrible. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I'd be interested to see if he's gonna Lynn- watch. I'd be interested to see if Lynn has another one in him and to see what he would do with it. Um, Because this is such a passion project for him. It seems like. Um, Mm -hmm. And I even read like an interview with him that where he basically said like, uh, if this is the one, the only one I get to do, this is the one I wanted to do. Um, Oh, that's sweet. And, I, I, I don't know. I don't think he has like a career of that being his main thing, mainly because I would like to see him do another show at some point, but right. I, he's not bad at all. He's featured
2: up with Disney right now. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Uh, but Get that money, um, sure. Uh, and that Oscar, uh, <laughs> and oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you're interested in seeing it watch it. If you don't like musicals, you're probably not gonna like it uh, <laughs> You know, <laughs> I, I, I know a musical is a hard sale a hard sell for some people, but uh, Yes, yeah, is not gonna this isn't gonna Redefine that for you for sure um, There's yeah. not there, there's not anything I've seen that I could recommend over it recently I liked the harder they fall a lot more than this, but it's also too long by half an hour, so uh, mm-hmm. You know this is shorter Um, It's also a completely different movie, but um, (laughs) you know, yeah. It's worth seeing if you're interested in it. If you're not, you're probably not going to find anything in it that's going to change you either way on that, but uh, it does feel nice to have at least liked the movie on the show um, for the first time in a minute, I feel like.
2: (laughs) Especially for people, like, even if you don't like musicals, because I know musicals can be so campy. This doesn't strike me as campy. This, to me, is like what, I remember one of my, my my theater professors telling me when I was in college and she was like, people like think that musicals are unrealistic. She's like, but if you think of it from the fact that you're just so overwhelmed with a certain emotion that the only thing you can do, like sometimes we have to scream, sometimes we have to curse. like And in this case, it's just all they can do is sing about it. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. that's kind of a cool perspective to have on it. And so... That's what this strikes me more as. It's not so much like can't be world dancing in unison in the streets. It's just like no, I'm like so overwhelmed with a certain thought that this is the only way I can express it. So if you go into it with that perspective, it's kind of a cool thing, and I think well, it's very relatable.
0: Yeah, the framing device also goes a long way to offset that. Oh, where it's sure. like uh, it, it is, you know, when we're in the quote real world, even though magical realism stuff happens, um, right. we're it's because we're being told what's happening actually for sure. Like. By someone on stage performing. So well, I it's think a memory,
2: not, which is also yeah. kind of in and of itself. Yeah, a memory piece.
0: Yeah, like a, a
2: mystical kind of thing. Um,
1: right. I want to ask you too, did you guys like this film more or less than In the Heights?
2: I liked it more. Oh, oh man, I don't know. Well, okay, so In the Heights is just, I, I like it better as a musical. I would have to rewatch them both back to back to see which film I like better. Because I know which musical I like better. Um, this may have been a better film. I think the performances, in particular, because I really didn't care for a lot of the actresses. And in, in the Heights, I guess I like this one better.
1: Oh, I, I think I like it better too. Although I acknowledge that In the Heights is a better musical. Yeah,
2: that's that's how
1: I feel. I think um, yeah, but also sure. I also did not dislike the In the Heights movie. No, In, in the Heights. Heights was great. I thought it was a good movie. Yeah. Um, as well. Um, but I just didn't think it hit the emotional like this. This. This this small scale musical and the story it's telling seems more attuned to something I could relate to.
2: Well, it's like in the Heights went for the camp and the musicality, like what you yeah. would expect about a show to be. It's like when I see, you know, if you see Lion King, everything is very over the top and like giant colors and blah, like loud noises everywhere. Kind of like almost like a children's show. Um, and this was like reality. <laughs> it was like good music, uh, depicting reality as opposed to uh like grandeur depicting obviously another type of reality but i don't know In yeah the, heights, I don't know.
0: the 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 film was cinematic yeah. cotton candy to me where like yes. i enjoyed Correct. it i thought yeah. it was a very entertaining well-made musical that i forgot about For sure. by yes. the time it was over <laughs> and uh no this is something that it didn't quite stick with me the way something like, um, and I know you keep, I won't shut up about the damn movie, but like pig, like pig's a movie I've thought about every day since I've seen it. Um, and it's yeah. like, and I mean, I know that's unfair because I also have been saying like pigs, my favorite movie in a half decade. and I know that's true. Um, but it, you know, it did give me more to chew on. Like it was closer to that than in the Heights right. was. And so coming to the podcast, like I remembered it. Whereas like, when we did In the Heights, I had literally finished it an hour before uh, we recorded, and I was like, bunch of stuff happened. I didn't super care about it by the time yeah. it was over.
1: A lot of dead-eyed caring.
2: Oh, gosh. Those actresses. They were killing me the whole yeah. time.
1: I mean, that dead-eyed girl's going to be in the new Scream film. She might be a good killer.
2: Uh, which one? <laughs>
1: uh, the, 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 the one who one, always uh, had her stomach say, out? Yeah. Bernita yeah
2: no it's nina it was
1: that's me nina. not nina Ugh. um but that's okay also don't apologize for pig i feel like our version of pig is midnight mass
0: oh we yeah can't oh, oh, up about it, which yeah, you so to watch. Watch it. uh <laughs> and
2: listeners you need to watch uh We're good. yeah uh
0: the yeah it in the heights had an aggressively sexy cast um uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, they didn't look like real people as much as like runway chouettes. Yeah.
0: They were they were dead-eyed actors, so dead-eyed yeah. models. The entire movie, I was like, why is everyone the hottest anyone could be? Like, let's calm down, everyone.
2: <laughs> we'll, we'll tell my little sister's boyfriend, who is a background actor in the scene,
1: <laughs> that you thought that. Well, that's so true. That like everyone was so good looking that by comparison, Lynn Manuel, who's a fine looking gentleman as the Paragua man, looks <laughs> yeah, <yeah>. by comparison. <laughs>
2: I mean, Christopher Jackson, it's like, <laughs> yeah. get out of here, you. Did you guys
0: notice Christopher Jackson in Tick, Tick, Boom? I didn't see him. No,
2: apparently yes. he was in
1: Yes, he, he wasn't the audience. He was at the yeah. preview audience.
2: Oh, wait, no, I did see that. I did see that one. Yeah, yeah, I did. You're
1: yeah, right. I did have yeah. him.
2: Oh, I love that one. Anyway, yeah, so yeah. it's good film. Pretty would recommend it. I, I mean, I would recommend it to non-theater people. I think it's just a good, a good story yeah. to hear. I don't think it's too no. theatery. It's not in the heights theory where it's like so out of the realm of possibility that your like suspension of disbelief is gone. I think it's something that you can be like, "Oh shit, yeah, yeah. I felt this." I am. This sucks.
0: Uh, I'm. am annoyed uh, that um, that uh, uh, this. So many musicals have come out this year that it's kind of gonna kill the. I, yeah. I don't mind a lot of musicals coming out. Specifically, it annoys me that we—it is extremely improbable that in come February, January, whenever they announce the nominees, we cannot say the Academy Award-nominated barb and star go to Vista Del Mar um, because there is there is a song in that film that I absolutely would be champion championing for Best Original Song. But yeah, the yeah, seagull on the tire. Song. Can you hear my prayer? <laughs>
2: That was, really that, was so that, was uh, that was really good. That was a fun number.
1: But it's that was something I was actually sad. You know, that's something that we didn't mention so far is that the the mu- the movie musical revival is oh, real. Yeah. yeah, like we also had a net not recently. We have that. We have yep. West. Side I mean, even Story, Dear Evan like, Hansen for better Palmer, for worse, right?
0: right? Like,
1: sure. we yep. did have Dear Evan Hansen, which actually, I'm excited for West. Right Wait, now. I'm not even kidding. I'd love to do a podcast on Dear Evan Hansen just because I heard it's like yeah. really bad. Bored. Oh God! That seems like a, I want I want to be on a podcast where we shit on something because I feel like that's my strength. You've only
2: been on like really well, you did the things, Oscars I episode.
1: Well, I did, I did shit on rent. <laughs> I did shit yeah. on rent the whole time. I was trying to be like nice about it earlier. Like, you know what? I, I understand, but by the end, I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk about. I was
2: rent. gonna say the first like five episodes you guys had me on before I became like a permanent co-host were like the yeah. shittiest films, and I was like, is this? You came on for show First is? Man, and that was a good movie that no really one saw. Movie? oh that's true okay yeah no first man was good and then it was yeah. like the lion king remake and yeah. then like uh like uh, what was it captain yeah. marvel and i was like so do we only watch bad things on this
0: like, oh, but this was good so yeah, go watch it uh, y'all it's decent um okay. missy do you have anything you want to plug
1: you won't that. yes
0: <laughs> i hate you
2: and what's story will be great yeah. i'm sure hopefully uh, do
0: you have anything you want to plug missy um uh i mean as always support local
2: art go see local theater shows a lot of them are opening back up go support them jordan and i may or may not be in some in bakersfield i'm probably taking a break for a sec but jordan will be in some jordan
1: oh yeah um well there's a newer theater in town called stars playhouse west which is like an indie fox searchlight uh offshoot of stars which is the equivalent to a big movie studio at bakersfield for theater (laughs) very specific Um. but if you want to come sport cool, groundbreaking indie theater, everything they've been putting up there, like you could just Google Stars Pass West and look up their season. Um, they're doing a lot of really cool things there. Uh, I'll personally be doing Dolls house there. And as well as some uh, one acts by Thornton Wilder. Um, so yeah, come check those out. Yeah, they're good. I've gone to the rehearsals. So yeah. oh, also, if you want to, if I, I'm also going to plug a comedy I saw recently, uh, which was Spiral from the Book of Saw with Chris Rock. Oh, stop it! it. Is, no, I'm not even kidding. It, it is really funny at points. Um, and everyone I was with when we were watching it, uh, Sans Missy because she fell asleep 30 minutes. Yeah, in. that's on brand. Um, but we, yes, yep, we all hard. we all predicted not only. The killer and twist but the almost entirety of the plot and motive and reason within the first 30 minutes um and when it was revealed we were so aghast by like how we were so dead on um that it was comical uh so yeah the movie is like if seven was directed by michael bay um give it a watch if you if you want to laugh with friends
2: I liked the 30 minutes I saw, and then I fell asleep.
1: Yeah,
0: I, I um, have another podcast called Let's Jaws for a Minute, um, which is a minute-by-minute breakdown of my favorite film of all time, Jaws. I co-host that with my friend Sarah, and we are rapidly approaching the end of the film. We just released an episode about the Show Me the Way to Go Home scene with uh, my friend Blake.
2: But is Chris Rock on it? Chris Rock
0: is not on it. Um, uh, I'm out. I'm out. I'm sorry. Anyway, yeah, it's a good time. You can find it everywhere. Listen to it on the same platform you're listening to this on. Like, it's it's on all of them. Uh, yeah, we are rapidly approaching the end of that, but there is more podcasting between Sarah and I to come. Um, I think this will be out by the time you hear this. Uh, I was on... Sarah and I actually both guested on a uh, podcast called The Movie Robcast. Um, which is hosted by two men named Rob and they, uh, they had us on to talk about two things. Uh, one, our favorite Christmas movies and the perennial classics that we like to watch. Um, so I got to talk about kiss, kiss, bang, bang.
2: Oh, like it's a wonderful life. Uh,
0: Yeah. So, so, uh, that was part two actually. So they're doing, they're doing one episode where all the guests talk about it's a wonderful life. So I got to talk about how I don't like it's a wonderful life. um and, and then
1: and the next one on die hard uh
0: and then they did another episode where great. all the guests get to talk about their favorite christmas movies so i talked about uh kiss kiss bang bang and um better watch out
2: what a contrarian and yet you don't like it's a wonderful life get no. out of here those
1: aren't contrarian good ones those are under the radar. are they christmas yes. movies yes they are oh. um, I got I got an underrated Christmas one. It's the 1999 uh, pulp fiction ripoff. Go! Oh yeah,
0: with uh, Matt Damon. Is Matt really Damon in like that? that? I always confuse.
1: I always, confuse, was
0: I always confuse Go with uh, Rounders.
1: Mm. Well, I do. <laughs> Rounders is worse, but I like them both. Okay.
2: Uh, and it's Wonderful Life is great. So that's all they did convince
0: know. me. I Look, will be this Christmas season. I'll be trying to see It's a Wonderful Life again, but only. You should but only if it's playing at a theater here, I was told if I don't like it, it might be because I've only seen it on TV, Um, which I don't necessarily agree with because almost everyone has only seen it on TV, but I'm willing to give yeah. the experiment a shot because they, everyone else had seen it in a theater. Like that was on the show and they were like, it is so good. Big. Um, it is. So
1: we need to give you an a uh, thing. So if you do end up watching it in the theater, you at least have to do a short podcast about it where missy is involved okay
0: there you go. yeah i will a, a i will do that um
2: it's so good oh jimmy stewart like he went through an existential crisis and like was like literally crying on set at the scene where he was supposed to like commit suicide because he was actually thinking about his own like relationship with god it's like it's such a beautiful film it's oh it's just really good just yeah
0: So if you want to hear me talk about how I don't like, and the thing is, like, I don't talk about, like, I'm not like, what a bad movie. Like, it's, I don't think it's a bad movie. It's just like not really for me. Um, so it's like it's less like, like, like I do think Mary Poppins is kind of bad. You know, like it's shut up and say you're wrong. That's a movie I think is like boring and bad. It's a Wonderful Life. I'm just like ah. It's whatever. Like, I, I'm more middle of the road on it where, like, I take it or leave it. So it's not, like, it's not a... Uh, I mean, I guess that, that in and itself is a hot take, but it's not like I'm on there like, what a shitty movie. You're all dumb for liking it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily feel that way about Mary Poppins, but I do think that Mary Poppins is boring. Um, so, yeah, the movie Robcast, I think that's out by the time you're hearing this. It's, it should be out. You'll probably hear this in early December. If not, it will be out... Now, I don't know if I plugged this other one. I was on the Beard Owl podcast. I think I did plug this one on the other ones. I think so. Okay, B-E-R-D, B-E-E-R, apostrophe D, Al podcast, which is a podcast about Weird Owl and beer. And I got to talk about songs that are commonly misattributed to Weird Owl. So that was a fun time. Nice. Um. Yeah, and... <laughs> Until next time, dying too soon is the bad guy.